are listening to Nerds Adulting Bites, a podcast with short, easy-to-consume, bite-sized episodes that explore various nerdy topics by taking a deeper look. Well, a new study finds a link between violent games and aggressive behavior in children. Uh, We are determined to stop a situation in which video games with pornographic and violent content are being peddled to our children. The video games, the movies, the internet stuff is so violent. It's so incredible. I see it. I get to see things that you wouldn't be, you'd be amazed at. The fact is that a new generation of video games crosses that line containing the most horrible depictions of graphic violence and sex. Cold-blooded murder is making Mortal Kombat the most popular video game in history. Kids relish their victory and their bloody choice. Should they pull out their opponent's heart? or simply rip his head off just to see his spinal cord dangle in a pool of blood. Night Trap was a game that found itself broiled in controversy along with Mortal Kombat in the early 90s. The game was something that the video game world had never seen before. It featured full motion video, or FMV, of actual actors. The game was relatively tame, but was thrust into this controversy by politicians for fear that games like Night Trap and Mortal Kombat would ruin children forever. This is Night Trap, Violent Video Games Part 3 with Rob Fulop. Night Trap was an FMV interactive movie video game developed and produced by Digital Pictures. It was released by Sega for the Sega CD in 1992. The game starred the late Dana Plato from the sitcom Different Strokes and was directed by James Riley who has had a very successful career in television. In the game, the player is a special agent tasked to monitor teenage girls having a sleepover. Little do they know, they are surrounded by danger. The player's job was to actually protect the girls from a group of vampire-like creatures called augers by setting off traps. If the player succeeded, a movie scene would play showing the girl escaping. If the player failed, a different scene would play of the girl being mildly attacked or taken away. Now, I never did get to play the game as a kid because... It was on the Sega CD. The Sega CD was an add-on for the Sega Genesis that launched on October 15th, 1992 at $299. Now adjust that for inflation and that makes it $700 in 2021. There was no way my parents ever were going to spend that much money on a video game console. I mean, I don't think I would for my kids now. But I remember seeing all the ads in the game magazines and friends talking about it. The game case and ads marketed the game as a very campy horror film. I'm Sims, SCAT Team Commander, SCAT Mission 230. Five teenage girls on their way to a weekend house party at the old Lakeshore Winery house of Mr. and Mrs. Victor Martin and their two children, Jeff and Sarah. Your mission, protect those five girls from whatever happened to another bunch of teenagers. He disappeared after spending a night at the Martins. Last night, one of our agents got into the house and found a weird security system. Hidden cameras in almost every room and a series of traps. Our agent spliced an override into the security system, enabling you to control the cameras and the traps with this remote unit. The traps are protected with an access code. They won't work unless you enter the right code. Right now, that code is set at blue, and you have control of the traps. 
But anyone inside that house can change that code at any time. So listen in. Our override cable is here, in the back hallway. If anyone disconnects it, you lose control. For good. This is my attack squad. And that's Kelly, one of my best undercover agents. She'll be arriving with the rest of the girls. I'm putting her life and the lives of those other girls in your hands. Don't even think of messing up. If you don't have the brains or the guts for this assignment, give the controls to someone who does. The girls should be pulling into the driveway. You're wasting time. Get over there now. This is Rob Fulop, game designer on Night Trap. Uh, I, 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 was, I, I loved games. You know, I was not really a, a technical nerd, but I loved chess. I loved backgammon. I loved checkers. I just loved any kind of board game. You know, that was my thing. It was, it was, uh, I didn't find computers until I was 17. And when I found computers, I said, oh, that's a great way to make games. So it was, but was I like a geek? Ah, I got into the computer lab like around 16, 17. So maybe, I don't know, I was a computer major in college. I guess it was, I guess they would call that a geek. It was before geeks were a thing. You know, that was just, you know, I was, I was introverted and I was an engineer, but I didn't identify with geek. And I played, I played soccer. I played, you know, poker. I was in a fraternity. I wasn't, I, I was a serious student. I was doing computer science at the and a lot of people were goofing off in college, but it was a serious pursuit. But there's no, there was no thing as a geek at that point. That wasn't a, that wasn't a thing. Now it's cool to be a, to be a programmer. The programmer is the, is the new, is the cool geek. I walked into a bowling alley at one point in college and I saw a pong and I said, that makes sense. And then I saw breakout like a couple of weeks later. And I said, well, that's, that's a good, that, that makes sense. And I'll do that. That just made complete sense to me. And I had always made games with computers. And so I just, uh, it happened to be there was a, that Atari had posted a job to do sound effects for a summer job uh, for a pinball game. They used to make pinball machines. And I called the guy who was in charge of that. And he just, uh, there were not a lot of people that were interested in that at that point. There was not a lot of people that combined computers and games and wanted to pursue that as a career. So it just fit me. It, ha- it happened to fit me perfectly. I mean, I was interviewing at Bell Labs and Hewlett Packard and all the all the classic places you go at the time. You know, computer science. You could go into the military and do work for them. You could do work at HP or Bell Labs. Those were there was no and there was no software companies at that point. There was no Microsoft. There was no. It was you know it was Atari. They they made games and there was but there was no PC industry at the time. It was uh, I graduated college in seventy five, so it was about nineteen eighty. Yeah, eighty one. You know, around the time of. Uh, have you seen uh, *Halt and Catch Fire*? It's that era. That was the era when I started. When I when I left college, it was a, it was a great time. The PC had just come out. The IBM PC. Rob began his career at Atari, where he was hired on by Nolan Bushnell, where he worked in the coin-op division, working on pinball machines, and later on moved over to the home division, where he designed and created *Night Driver*, *Demon Attack*, and *Cosmic Arc*. He also famously ported over *Space Invaders*. He was cool. He uh, nobody cared at first, and then later, uh, he was bought by Warner Communications. Atari was bought by Warner Brothers. Warner Communications owned Atari, not Nolan. Nolan sold it to Atari when I was there. And at that point, 
nobody ever thought that anybody would care about who who made the games. It was like a, it was like you don't care who makes you know sandwiches. It's like, uh, but it, but it wasn't considered a in any kind of creative effort until 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 the home until the home division, uh, the people in the home division really made put pressure on Atari to say, okay, the developer matters, the programmer matters. Right. They, they didn't even understand what it was. People thought the Atari computer, they thought people thought they were buying a tape. It was like a tape. They didn't even know what they were buying. You know, they were buying a raw cartridge. But, but the fact that a programmer had made that, they, 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 were, they, they didn't register with, with the Atari corporate people. They didn't know where the games came from. They disappeared. It was great. It was, it was you know, at 22, I got full creative control of my work. I could make any game I wanted. And they said, just tell us when you have a game. And it was unbelievable. You know, they just had there was no there was no there was no pitch there was no you had no you didn't have to pitch a storyboard say I want to go make a game about driving I'm gonna go and then if you did it if you got back to them six months a year later with a game then they kept you but they had no there was no management process at, at the time you know, there was there was the programmer did everything he had the idea he programmed the code he did the graphics it was a one man show and you you made your game it took about nine months. To make Night Driver, my first game, and then I did another one, and that was it. Was like that. It was like that until I left, and three years later, to do a startup called The Magic. So it was a very, very. It was the Wild West, and there was no, you know, we, you know, I copied coin-op games. That was the way I did it. When you know, people trying to people trying to make up their own game, and there's some really bad games, and some good ones came around. And then we did the early research into what you can do with the video game, and the few models that we found that worked, and we kept making more of like that. You know, Space Invaders was a big model. You shoot everything and try to kill everything. That was the thing that worked. Drive a car real fast. That worked. You know, little little thing. You know, adventure. Try to try to go into a treasure hunt. Try to find treasures. Those are there was like four or five models that worked. It's just like movies. There's four or five stories that work. You know, just, you play you play computers. That's what games are. And every kid who into computers got into them because they were playing games. It's the greatest thing in the world. Rob began working with a system that used. VHS technology to create movie-like gaming experiences and allowed four video tracks to be played at the same time. Originally, it was dubbed the Nemo system, but was later officially renamed to Control Vision by Hasbro, who bought the technology and planned to release it as a home console. Well, I knew, I knew Nolan uh, from Atari, and I was now now I had, I had a company that we that I had sold and. I was an independent developer, and I knew I knew uh, the Nolan Nolan's whole thing, and he, and he made a deal with Hasbro to create this hardware that was interactive videotape that you can branch out, make branching movies off a of videotape, and that was called the Nemo system. And I was brought in to do a demo for the Nemo system to make a game out of a movie and a branching movie, you know. And it was it was it wasn't laser it was on, on videotape. You could go either A or B. You could. You could you could jump to a different track of tape. They did it with with, with frames, the interleaved frames. So with either track A, track B, track C, and you know we had to come up with games for the system. And we did uh, a demo of a of a mystery game where you try to follow people around the house and see you know, figure out who did it. There was about a five minute demo called Scene of the Crime, and then they liked it. And they decided to make the whole make the system. They said, "Now let's make a game." And so Night Trap was our first game. He said, "We'll do this. We'll do a game where we." have cameras in every room so you didn't really change the story you know what you did is you changed the you changed how you're viewing the story you can be in the kitchen or the dining room or the, or the bathroom right the same story is going on but you can jump the camera around 
And so we put that into the house and we decided that making a monster movie was just going to appeal to the to our audience, which is going to be, you know, 14-year-old boys. So that was that. So we said, let's make it into, you know, a, a B-monster movie, you know, non-violent. Well, not, not non-violent, but not graphically violent. And that's, and, you know, we had someone, someone came up with the idea of traps. You know, it'd be fun to trap the monsters. That's how you get rid of the monsters. You trap them in, in the house would be this mechanical thing and you try now, we had no idea how to make a movie, so we had to hire. You know, we had to hire the whole movie crew. And it was it was it was a it was a hell of a lot of work to make a movie and put make it make it a software game. I mean, it was it was amazing to me that we got it to work. And was it the greatest game? No, I mean, could you play it that many times? Not really. But it, it's a fundamentally limited medium. Yeah, you know, because you can, you basically when you play these games, you're basically the object of the game is to see all see all the video that's been shot. And it was you know it it was it was a a playable game. It was. You know, got people's attention. It was live live video, and then it was then it, then the Hasbro killed the project. So it went, it went dormant until Tom Zito created Digital Pictures to bring it back out. So Tom Zito, four years later, created a company that brought all these games back on the Sega. But all the games had already been made years years early. We wanted to appeal to kids, and we did not want it to be graphically. You know, there was no reason to do any kind of blood or anything like that. Now we don't want to scare the kids. We just want you to feel like you're you're there's a cute fill full, full of cute girls, and you're trying to save them. That was the idea. I mean, that was literally the idea. You know, the saving, saving the girls is kind of an old idea. We hardly invented it. Every vampire movie has the same idea, right? It was a very established genre. And you say, you know, saving the innocent is kind of what you do in, in, in literature, right? And everyone likes to see the girls screaming, ah! You like to see the girls screaming, and all, you know, that's kind of what you'd like to do. We kind of made it up as we went along. No, I mean, it was, it was pretty much every morning we'd have to, because to, to write... To write a scene that's taking place and to write what's going on, you're writing the living room scene and you got to remember what's happening in the kitchen and the other rooms of the house. And, you know, to, to shoot a movie like that is very difficult. You know, if someone leaves a scene, they leave the scene halfway through and they go into the kitchen, then they have to enter the kitchen halfway through. So we had to keep track very carefully of what, of where all the people in the house are moving with the, you know, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's a tricky way to have to shoot a film. And of course we were not experienced filmmakers, uh, but no, most everything got put in. We wanted to be cooler traps. And the traps were very expensive. You know, the actual traps themselves. We never, there was no house. It was just a set. And we had to shoot one, one room at a time. We had to shoot everything. In the, all the kitchen stuff and then go to the living room. Because by the time we shoot in the living room, there is no kitchen anymore. Right? It was just all being built for us. So we wanted to spend more money on the traps and they, it was, uh, we couldn't get the budget. Well, you mentioned the budget. Yeah, the budget was actually, I don't know if you remember, but uh, from what I could recall, from what I could gather, what the budget was, it was actually pretty big for a game at this time because well, you're making a movie yeah i mean you're making a movie you're not making a game yeah yeah you, you have to make it you have to make it look like a movie you have to have people in costume and you have we have a set we have to you know the set, we can't find a house with trap doors in it we have to build it right there was no there was no the set was 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 a, was a lot of work it was a sound stage and you know it was we had to have special effects people and you know the whole thing yeah, yeah. i think we, we spent probably a million dollars yeah, well, at that time, was 86, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Lot of money. yeah. Yeah. Night Trap was shot in 1987. It was completed and all set for the launch of the Nemo in 1989, along with another FMV game, Sewer Shark. The budget for Night Trap was $1.5 million and $3 million for Sewer Shark, making them the two most expensive games during that time. Unfortunately, Hasbro canceled the launch of the system. Hasbro stated high manufacturing costs as the reason. To my surprise, 
I thought Rob was going to say something like they were devastated or they were so excited for the launch and were just saddened by this announcement. But he simply felt, eh, this happens in the biz. No harm, no foul. He actually didn't think the game was all that impressive. Well, it sucks, but I mean, you have to understand, I've made these games my whole life. About half my half my work has never been released. You know, it happens all the time. Things get things are a new venture for for you know a new company uh, with with new hardware. Yeah, it's it's likely not going to come out. I mean, I did you know I did a lot of work for the Philips CDI player when that that thing got killed too. That did come out, but it was you know it's the same kind of thing. New platform, big excitement. At some point, Philips started to get tired of spending all the money. They, they never killed it, but I mean. It, Half my work is never released. I think it's average. Yeah, but there's no game. There's, there's no game. They don't want to use minutes. Because they, they, they thought that it was a sophisticated purchase. They thought it was too expensive. We can't just do games. It's not a game player. I never thought it was good enough for people to really get into it. I thought it was, you know, it was okay. It was a fun experiment. You know, I spent a year on it. But the whole idea of interactive video, I kind of said, okay, well, that's not going to work. Making a, making a game into a movie, making a movie into a game is not going to work. I thought that's not going to be a thing. It's just too expensive to make, and it, it's not really a game you can tweak and make it. You, you can tweak you, by tweak, you know, you can adjust the game to play it harder or easier. You can't do that with Night Trap. But when you shot and shot the film, that's it. Yeah, there is no, there is no going back and adjusting it to make making the bullet go faster. Mortal Kombat, you can you can tweak it until the day you release it. You can make it harder, make it really hard, make it easier. Make you know you can. It's like you have a million screwdrivers and you can just adjust it however you like. You can't do that with Night Drop. So I thought the, I thought that as a creative medium, it wasn't a very rich way to. to it wasn't a very didn't have that much going on going for it. And I still think that. Now, it wasn't until 1992. When the game finally released on the Sega CD. Well, Tom, Tom, Tom got the contract. Tom got, I mean, Hasbro wanted to throw the whole thing away. You know, when a big company spends a lot of money on something and they decide not to bring it out, they would rather bury it than have, have it come out later and have and be shown to be stupid. If it comes out later and does really well, you know, Hasbro would feel stupid, right? They'd feel like, what idiots we are. If it, if it, came, if it came out later and became the biggest thing of all time, Hasbro think, what an idiot we are for not, for not releasing it. So, so a big company, when they make something new, they're not really interested in trying to recoup some of their money. They would just they spent almost $40 million on it, you know, write it off, done. Go make a G.I. Joe. They, they, that's, their, that's completely the way they think about it. But then somehow Tom got the rights to it uh, and had to bring it out later. With, he had to agree not to ever say Hasbro. It wasn't Hasbro. But it was a, a, a new company that he created, and then he made a deal with Sega that they could that this stuff could be ported to Sega. They tried to do Nintendo, and Nintendo couldn't make it work. The, the technology couldn't work on Nintendo, so they said. So then they so Sega did it, and then it got criticized, and then from there, you know, you you pick up the story. In 1993. Senator Joe Lieberman famously scolded video games like Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, and Lethal Enforcers during a Senate hearing committee on violent video games. Joe Lieberman never even played the game and falsely stated that girls were hung on hooks, which was not part of the game. 
A scene in Night Trap that featured a pretty blonde girl being abducted by the augers was played during the hearing. Later, that scene was actually removed from the game. It all seemed like a hit piece for politicians to try and score some easy political points with a what about the children approach. Talking with Rob made me realize something that I hadn't really thought about much. What about game developers who made these games? How were they affected by this? How did they feel? Well, I thought it was just, what was going through my mind was, was this is embarrassing. You know, my friends, like my girlfriend at the time, she was kind of, you know, pretty, pretty feminist. And she got the word that this game that Rob did, the boyfriend did, is not good for kids. You know, there was people on TV talking about it. Captain Kangaroo came on TV and, you know, he, you know who he was? You know, yeah, he was a kid's, kid's entertainment guy. He said, oh, this game is no good. And so, yeah, there's a lot of back. People were saying, oh, it's not good. And I got a lot of criticism for it. A lot of people were saying, oh, these, Rob's making these bad games. And it was embarrassing. It was just, personally, as an, as an author, it was just embarrassing. You know, you don't want to have your work criticized for, for being, you know, for morally, you know, morally bankrupt, moral bankruptcy. You know, I, you know I, it was, that was a blemish. No, no one understood that it was being used as a political football and all that stuff. All they knew was that they turned on the TV for about two weeks, and there was like pe- official guys wearing suits saying, "Oh, this game is no good for kids." So it was a, it was just a, a blemish, and I thought it was quite unfair. I'm defenseless. You're defenseless when you get criticized like that. You really are defenseless. I used to go around uh, groups, violence in media groups, and you know they would say, "Oh, these games are bad for kids," and I learned a lot about, a lot about the topic. So the way the way to think about it is. Uh, any kind of attacks against media, children's media, basically, if you're a politician, it, it it's it's a freebie. In other words, if you speak out against violence in cartoons or violence in, in, in games or anything like that, you don't have any way to really. Nobody, there's no proof that it that it's, that it's harmful, and it and it makes you look like a good guy if you're a politician, and it's like and 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 no one can challenge you. Right, so you so you, you look like a hero, but you don't piss off any real any real group of people, other than the people that make the stuff, which is a few. You know, it's basically what I call a freebie. So Lieberman, he just kind of latched onto this thing. He had never played Night Trap, or he didn't really care. He just saw here's a, here's an issue where you can go, you can get a lot of people to think you're a great guy, and 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 it comes for free. So he all of a sudden Night Trap is the worst thing in the world. He had never played. He never played it. He never even saw it. He never actually. You know, we asked him. Tom Zeno and I asked him, "Have you ever played Night Trap?" He said, "No, I don't have to play it. I know it's bad." So, so this is not. It's just politics. It's purely just a political thing that he. Somebody showed him. Said, "Here's a way you can get a lot of people kind of like thinking you're a hero, and you don't have any. There's no real dirt. It doesn't hurt you." And they hired a bunch of experts who. Uh, you know, who are saying violence to me is bad. And they, they came on publicly and said that. And it's just kind of a defenseless issue. So after all this happened, yeah. um, did it change how you viewed game creation or did it like affect you at all? Probably. Yeah, very much. My, my next game, I mean, I, I was pissed off at the time. And I, I, at that point, I had my own company. I wasn't involved in any of that. I'm not working for digital pictures. But it was five years previous, but it, it pissed me off, the whole thing. And I decided my next game would be the cutest, sweetest game 
that anyone could imagine. And it was, and we made this thing called Dogs, which was a digital puppy dog. Uh, and Dogs became the biggest hit I've ever made. Right? It became, without question, it became the biggest seller of any game I've ever made. Uh, that was called P, the company was PF Magic, and the product line was called Pets. P, Pets. P E T Z. And you can find them on the web. I mean, we sold a lot of dogs, a lot of kitty cats, a lot of puppy dogs. And it was just, and it was made 100% because I was, I wanted to make a game that was so, that nobody could ever criticize us for, for, that, for that reason. And when you're, what I've learned in my life as a creative person that when you're motivated by anger or you, when, you know, that's when you get great stuff. As I remember dogs. And then when I was researching for the, my next topic, I was like, What? Like the same guy that worked on Night Trap created dogs. It's yeah. like blew my mind. It's it, just like, and then yeah, I was like, wow. And it was because <laughs> it was one hundred percent because of Night Trap because I was so annoyed. Yeah. It was really how do I make something so cute that no one will ever criticize it for that again? And that was that led to a big thing in my life. And since then, I've only done kind of uh, that kind of stuff. You know, casual game, lighter stuff. Thank you for listening to Nerds Adulting Bites. If you'd like to know more about the show, you can head over to the website, nerdsadulting.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can donate at our Patreon, where we give away pins, t-shirts, and coffee mugs. If you want to hang out with us and get access to entire interviews and videos, please join our Discord. Or if you want to hang out with me, I'm probably streaming on Twitch, PistolPete underscore now.